Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1133 of the Juicebox Podcast. Troy is 27 years old. He was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at age 13. He played baseball in college, uh, some basketball, uh, but eventually hurt his knee, tore his ACL. We're going to talk all about that, talk about rehabbing, the difficulties of rehabbing injuries, and I share some remembrances of what it's like to have a child who's a college athlete. While you're listening today, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you're not already subscribed or following in your favorite audio app, please take the time now to do that. It really helps the show. And get those automatic downloads set up so you never miss an episode. If you're looking for community around type 1 diabetes, check out the Juicebox Podcast private Facebook group, Juicebox Podcast type 1 diabetes. But everybody is welcome. Type 1, type 2, gestational, loved ones, it doesn't matter to me. If you're impacted by diabetes and you're looking for support, comfort, or community, check out Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. This episode of the Juicebox Podcast is sponsored by AG1. Drink ag1.com slash juicebox. When you use my link and place your first order, you're going to get a welcome kit a year's supply of vitamin D, and five free travel packs. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. My name is Troy Tucci. I am 27 years old, and I have been a diabetic since I was 13 years old, so 2009. Thank God you said your last name. Here's why. All last night, Arden goes, any chance you're talking to a relative of Stanley Tucci? Of Stanley Tucci. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, if the person doesn't say their last name, I won't be able to ask them while we're recording. I get that quite a bit. Uh, That's because he's delightful. Yeah, he's great. I mean, I wish there was relation. Then I would probably be able to afford a lot more medicine than I can currently. But, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Troy. Yeah, I, I, I mean, hope so. Although he did that CNN show. To me, it felt like a money grab, but whatever. That's how it usually is with with Hollywood, in my opinion. But hey, people still like it. Listen, you get an opportunity to do something, I guess. What the hell? Go to a couple places, eat a couple meals, make some money. Uh, I I mean, would you turn it down? No, not at all. I would love to eat food for free and make money off of it at the same time. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) All right. So fair enough. Uh, Let's see, Troy, you're 27. I was so excited you said Tucci out loud. I didn't hear how long you've had diabetes. <laughs> I uh, have had it since I was 13 years old. So um, 14 coming years. up on 14 years. So a little bit longer living with it than I have been with without it. Is that a weird thing? What? I hear people, living, people say that a lot. longer with it yeah, than yeah. without it. Yeah, yeah. Does that... it's, it's not really a weird thing. I would say it's just different because I don't really know life before it. You don't remember? Not really. I mean, I, I, my girlfriend likes to think I have a terrible memory in general, but I like to think that I couldn't really remember much other than being able to eat what I wanted, but I could still do that now. So, yeah, listen, I have to tell you, I, I think it's a boy thing too. Like my son's just like, I don't know. Do you remember any of that? I'm like, like even like I said something really kind of like heartfelt to my son. I don't know, six months ago and something happened the other day 
And I brought it up, and he goes, I don't remember you saying that. <laughs> oh, God. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, it can be that way sometimes. I don't know. It could be a guy thing. It's also why boys don't seem to hold grudges. Yeah, that's true. I would say that that's very true, because that, that has happened in experience. I can't really hold a grudge, or if I'm mad at somebody for something, it, it doesn't last long. It can be, like, terrible, too. I mean. Oh, for sure. No, no, no. I, 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 one of my favorite things is to watch men, like, almost beat each other to death. And then like three days later, they're like out together. <laughs> yeah, right. Or, or I've seen it in cases where people will fight each other and then they'll like pick each other back up and be like, all right, man, good stuff. Like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, that had to happen. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah I don't anyway. Know. anyway, so you do you not remember much about being diagnosed? Oh, I remember being diagnosed. Like I, that's probably like the most vivid, you know, Go ahead. memory that I have. So I was, I... It's a pretty weird thing. So my parents divorced right before this too. So it was kind of like bang, bang, like right one after the other. My, I, I was having symptoms. I was drinking a lot of fluids. I was probably going through a 24 case of Gatorade in a couple of days. And I was also playing sports at the time too. So like my parents just thought it was nothing at first. Then they thought it was a UTI, you know, and then obviously I was having issues wetting the bed at 13 years old and that's pretty uncommon. So I was having that issue. And they were like, all right, well, we're going to go schedule you for a doctor's appointment. And they were like, I think it's a UTI. And I was like, I'm 13. I don't even know what the hell that is anyways. So I go there and I don't go with my parents. So I have a, um, like a housekeeper slash nanny at the time. Cause I had a younger sister as well that needed to be tended to. Yeah. And so she took me to the appointment and I go and the, you know, the doctor's like, all right, we're going to have you just, you know, do a urine sample did a urine sample. He comes in, he's like, all right, well, Troy, you have uh, you have diabetes. And I'm like, okay, like, what is that? And how do I get rid of it? Yeah. And then he like pulls up, pulls up a seat and he's like, all right, well, here's what you're going to need to do. He's like, I don't want to give you too much information now, but I want you to go home, gather your stuff. I already talked to your parents. They're already both on their way home. And you know, you're going to go check into the hospital. And I was like, okay. To get rid of diabetes. And obviously I'm freaking out. No idea what's going on. Troy, I don't I, I got to stop you right here for a second. I just had surgery on my foot and I realized I need to put it up or I'm not going to be able to do this. So there's going to be some oh. noise. Hold on a second. Do your thing. I know all about surgeries. You'll hear too. I apologize. Give me a second here. We're going to move the mic. It throbs a little, Troy. Um, okay. So you got that heartbeat. Oh, it's, it's just I thought it'll be fine today. And I'm sitting there. You're talking. I'm like, oh, this isn't going to work. <laughs> so I, two things I love. Uh, you're like, I don't know what a UTI is. And I don't know what diabetes is. So what do we do? Because all of your illnesses prior to this have been something you go to a doctor for. They clear it up somehow. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, you're good. What happened? By the way, what happened to your foot? <sighs> Troy. So I'm old. You, you won't right. know about this for another 15 years or so. But I woke up one day and my big toe on my right foot hurt terribly. And my wife, of course, says, what did you do to it? I, I have no recollection of injuring my toe. And I thought, it'll go away. And then a few days went by, and it was getting, like, no better. And I thought, did I break my toe, maybe? And I said, well, if that happened, what are they going to do? I go to a doctor, they're going to say your toe's broken, and they're going to say it'll heal. So I d didn't do anything. And then a couple of weeks turned into a couple of months, and it got worse. And, you know, I started limping. I was like, oh, man, there's something really wrong with my toe. I should do something about that. But my mom was sick, and, I, you know, I didn't do it. Life gets in the way. Yeah, yeah. and then every once in a while, it didn't hurt. So I was like, hey, <laughs> doesn't hurt today. I'm good. 
Uh, but then when it hurt, it hurt really terribly. And I couldn't walk. It wouldn't bend up, etc. So finally, a couple of months ago, I got it in my head. I was like, I have to do something about this. But then my mom got sicker and sicker, and eventually she passed away. And um, oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 Troy, stop. I, I appreciate it. You're very nice. Um, and so I'm out visiting with her towards the end of her life, and I slip in a hotel. It's the soft water. It, do you have soft or hard water where you live? Do you, would you even know? I'm not really sure what you mean by hard I, I know you don't, water. right? It's mineral, I thought there was only one type of water. Well, uh, there's you. a couple types of water. That's right. But you also didn't know what a UTI was, so I have to explain it. <laughs> right. That's true. So there's minerals in water different in different Oh, like, so like water softener types? Yeah. Like so, that sort of thing? So okay. in some places, people don't know, probably don't even realize it if they live there. But if you come into a place that has softer water... And now I'm just saying water a lot for the people who enjoy hearing me say it incorrectly. Um, me included. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, if you, when you get in the shower, it actually, you feel soapy or slimy when it's on. And it's slippery. And I guess people who live there don't even know. Anyway, I'm in a hotel shower. Right. I'm literally making peace with the fact that I'm not going to see my mom again. I'm getting a shower, getting ready to go to the airport. And my foot slips. Like I wasn't falling like Bugs Bunny or something. Like it just slipped forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it smacked into the side of this tub and lightning and fireworks went off in my foot that shot up my leg into my brain and i was in a massive bad way i had to take a handful of painkillers to get through the airport to get on the plane to get home and so i'm basically i can't walk my brother is in the airport just laughing at me he's like look at how slow you're moving i'm like i and he's like we wouldn't need a knee scooter for you and i'm like i'm gonna i'll be okay so anyway, I get home. My mom passes away a couple of days later. That throws me off again for a few more weeks. And I finally go to a doctor's appointment. But I go to urgent care first because I'm a boy and I'm still thinking maybe it's not that bad. And, mm-hmm. you know, and she does an x-ray. I says, oh, you just have a little bone chip here. And I was like, oh, cool. She goes, I think it's just free floating. It's sitting in the joint, probably causing you pain. I'm like, this is excellent. I'm going to go to a doctor. They're going to pull out this little bone joint chip. I'm going to be fine. So I get there. And the the real doctor, not that, well, yeah, I mean that the real doctor. I mean, if you li- if you're working in urgent care, I know you're a doctor. Calm down. Uh, but uh, but um, you know, he he's like manipulating my toe, and he goes, "This doesn't hurt, right?" And he bends it in a certain way. I go, "No, that doesn't hurt at all." That way, he squeezes. He goes, "Doesn't hurt here, does it?" And it was almost like he knew where it wasn't going to hurt. I wasn't catch- mm-hmm. I wasn't catching on quickly enough though. He's waiting for it. Yeah, yep. he goes. Tell me if this hurts. And he bends my toe up, and then the rocket's red glare happen again. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, man, stop. Like, what, what, what? He goes, yeah, I thought that would hurt. I'm like, well, what did we do it for then? Yeah, you're like, I mean, <laughs> so he goes, uh, you have um, arthritis. We need an x-ray. Mm. And I said, dude, I brought you an x-ray. And he goes, oh, we get another x-ray. I'm like, yeah, we don't trust other doctors' yeah, x-rays. We need seven more. Wants to charge me for an x-ray, but that's fine, whatever. <laughs> so it does an x-ray. I have a delightful back and forth with the x-ray tech that is not politically correct, so I can't tell you about it on the podcast. And it was on his side, not mine, by the way, for all you listen to think, oh, Scott said something horrible. It wasn't me. And um, anyway, so um, I go back in, and he, and he sets up a surgery for me, like, boom, in a week. And uh, they give me the Jackson juice and put me out. And I want to uh, shout out to the anesthesiologist who I said last time I had, you know, Jackson juice, the propofol? Just turns you off. Do you know how Michael Jackson died, mm-hmm. Troy? Yeah. Okay. So I'm getting that, and it burns like crazy. I'm just cursed. That's how much it burns. They put it like in the top of your hand. You can feel it like hot lava going up your arm into your chest, and you pass out, and you wake up, mm. and everything's fine. 
So I say to this, to the anesthesiologist, this happened to me last time. And he goes, I know how to stop that from happening. I'm not, it's not going to happen. So I was like, God bless you. So he did that. Didn't burn really cool. Uh, for people wondering, you put lidocaine in first to kind of like, I guess, numb the pathway that the medication was going to go on. And then he squeezed my shoulder at my forearm and like er, at my, um, at my bicep and held the lidocaine in my arm for a couple of minutes before he put in the propofol. So pretty cool. So Dang. I wake up, I feel fine. I'm like, this is it. Everything's fine. And the guy s- says to me, uh, he calls me later that night. He goes, how you feel? And I go, uh, uh, it hurts. And I got my foot up. And he goes, okay, cool. Listen, wasn't really arthritis. And I went, why do you go see me? There's a little bit in your joint. He's like, I cleaned it out and all. He goes, but you have um, like torn cartilage in your toe. Oh, geez. And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, 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 not good. I had to give you a microfracture procedure. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> he goes, he decides to wait till the whole night to tell you what he even did to you. <laughs> probably after dinner. I mean, he probably went out in the afternoon, right? Had a nosh, went home. Yeah. Oh, I cheated on his wife. I don't know what he does in the day. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then he gets home and he makes his calls, I assume. By the way, seems like a lovely man. I don't assume he's cheating on anybody. <laughs> so basically, they poked holes in the bone to try to spur cartilage growth. But it's not the cartilage that I lost. It'll be something called like fibrous cartilage. And if that doesn't work, I have to go back to talk to him about having the bones in my toe fused together. Jeez. Yeah, Troy. Is it your, uh, are you a righty or a lefty? If you take insulin or sulfonylureas, you are at risk for your blood sugar going too low. You need a safety net when it matters most. Be ready with Gvoke HypoPen. My daughter carries Gvoke HypoPen everywhere she goes because it's a ready-to-use rescue pen for treating very low blood sugar in people with diabetes ages 2 and above that I trust. Low blood sugar emergencies can happen unexpectedly, and they demand quick action. Luckily, Gvoke HypoPen can be administered in two simple steps, even by yourself in certain situations. Show those around you where you store Givokypopen and how to use it. They need to know how to use Givokypopen before an emergency situation happens. Learn more about why Givokypopen is in Arden's Diabetes Toolkit at givokglucagon.com slash juicebox. Givok shouldn't be used if you have a tumor in the gland on the top of your kidneys called a pheochromocytoma, or if you have a tumor in your pancreas called an insulinoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk for safety information. Well, I'm right-handed. Are you, is that your right, your right big toe? It is. Does that, that matter? What do you know, Troy? Right Did we find I just know, I mean, I just know from my experience of playing sports and like my injuries, like I had a big toe issue in my back right foot from swinging. So like from like taking like such hard hacks and like, yeah. however the case it was, I like sprained my toe. And ended up obviously not doing anything for it because I'm a guy. Yeah. And yeah, so that's that's just why I asked. I was, I was just curious just because I can kind of see some correlation in that. Or if you're just dominant in that regard, like I, I do a lot of things with my right foot over my left foot. Like I, that's like the first step I take and I'm not really conscious of it. But how about that? I, something. I haven't thought about that. I can tell you that um, I'm walking oddly. It's making my knee hurt. You know, it sucks. Is it the outside of your knee that's bothering you? Uh, it's the inside, but inside's where I just had my knee cleaned out like six months ago. So mm-hmm. I, I'm a little light on uh, cartilage in there, too. Yeah. yeah. Try not to compensate. That's the biggest uh, yeah. thing that I can tell you because I've been there, done that. You just cause a different problem, right? 
Yep, exactly. Yeah. Just moving it on to the other side. All right. So anyway, this is what happened to me. I, I mean, obviously, this is my mom's fault. So. <laughs> oh, God. No, I know. It's I don't know what happened. It's just terrible. No, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is terrible. Anyway, it, and it's such a it seems like such a small thing, but it messes you like a toe really messes you up. So, oh, yeah. They say you can't walk without your big toe. I'm right? get, Yeah, I don't need that problem. I'm losing weight now, Troy. There you go. So then it should be easier then. Then you're putting less stress on the, on the body. Well, so you're thinking like that. I'm just thinking I'm, I'm about to be like, you know, I'm going to have a coming out party soon. I don't want to be limping through it. <laughs> anyway. Coming out party can be perceived in a couple of different ways. Can I have a uh, a weight loss quinceanera? Can I do? Uh, would that be that be? <laughs> is that culture appropriation? I just want to have a big party where I wear I wear something pretty and people can see I lost weight. <laughs> I think that people do that all the time. I don't see why you couldn't. Yeah. All right. I'm in. Just make sure you invite me since I'm we're planning it together right now. Yeah, I'm almost down thirty pounds. Wow, that's actually very impressive. Pretty cool, actually. Are you taking anything for that? Or oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I'm doing cocaine and um, no. <laughs> no, I, I'm using Wegovi. Which what is it called? Wegovi, which is Ozempic rebranded for weight loss. Okay. Yeah. So it's a once weekly injectable and I've been on it for 16 or 17 weeks. Okay. It's, it's insane how well it works. I lost two more pounds this week. So I wish I had that problem. I, I I have the problem losing weight and fluctuating weight and not being able to gain it. I had it my entire playing career in sports too. Was hard for you to put on weight? It was impossible. So so tell me. So you're diagnosed when you're 13 or so, and you're mm-hmm. a baseball player. Even as I, I listen, you played in college, so you must have been playing your whole life, right? That's a funny story. So I played baseball and basketball my whole life growing up for as long as I can remember. Both baseball and basketball. At, you know, I don't know if they can consider being four years old and playing sports. I don't know if that's organized enough to be considered, but I played it my whole life, but I actually took off six years of baseball. So I'd stopped playing my sophomore year in high school, had a bunch of injuries. Um, and then my dad kind of sat me down and was like, Hey, you got to make a decision here. Do you want to keep playing basketball or do you want to keep playing baseball? And then obviously I'm going to listen to my father and he's like, play basketball, play basketball. So I'm like, okay. The fact that he told me to do that. And then I took six years off just strictly playing basketball and then tore both my ACLs playing basketball oh. a year, a year apart from one another. So the first one was 2014, literally the day before my regional finals game in high school and then crossed the stage, then got surgery in the summer, rehabbed for nine months, went to a school in Minnesota, tore my other ACL on the first captain's practice mm. and then went home and got surgery and then kind of started over, went to junior college. And then that's when I picked up playing baseball once again, after six years. Can you talk a little bit about what it's like to put so much effort into something and then have a mechanical problem? Stop it. Oh, it's really, uh, it's really tough. That's when I experienced the most, just like, you know, the darkest days, I would say the first time was really hard, but obviously doing it again and having to go through that rehab of nine months was just draining physically, mentally, emotionally. Mm. That's probably when I fell into like the deepest depression um, of my life. But obviously, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world because I ended up playing baseball again and meeting tons of great people and, you know, that sort of thing. Obviously, I wouldn't want to change my path at all. Yeah. I think that one of the most difficult parenting moments I've ever had was sitting next to my son in a surgeon's office when the guy was reading his uh report his report from his elbow and mm-hmm. he said this is there's a partial tear in there and I hate that word yeah and i like 
I have to tell, I'm being serious. Like not crying was one of the hardest things I've ever done as a parent. Like I didn't want him to see me. That yeah. Up. You have to show you, you have to yeah. make it seem like it's kind of nothing. In that I sense. don't know what my face read, but it was one of the hardest things I've ever done was to like com- keep myself composed. And it's not because and people listening who don't play sports or whatever might think like, that's silly. Like he's fine. You know, like he just can't right. throw a ball anymore. But that kid started playing baseball, like organized baseball when he was four and he yeah. did it. He did it constantly and forever. And it meant a lot to him. And he was in college playing baseball COVID had already happened and screwed everything up and he didn't even let COVID mess up. He just went and trained mm-hmm. privately somewhere else and kept going. And at the moment this happened to him, he was throwing a fairly consistent 93 mile an hour fastball. Wow. Yeah. And then this happened and you have to shut it down and they tell you you're going to rehab it. And the rehab's like six months and it's very specific. And he did it like he did it dutifully. Mm hmm. He did come back from it, but he just like there was a couple miles an hour off and it was he was still like in the 90s, but it was more like 91 and he's trying to work through it. But as he's trying to work through it, time's ticking away, too, Mm -hmm. and school's ending and his opportunities to play baseball are are getting shorter and shorter. And he's also playing in the field and like, you know, he's trying to do these things. It just was like, I don't know that anything ever would have come of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, it just, yeah. it's not the point. Like, I, I think people think, oh, like, you think you're going to be a professional baseball. It has nothing to do with that. Like, it really doesn't. Yeah, yeah. It's about, for some people, and my son is one of them. You might be too. It's about goal setting and achieving. Mm-hmm. And then resetting goals and reachieving. Yeah, exactly. That's just how he got to where he was. He was always just setting goals and, and, and trying to get to them. Yeah. And you can't take that drive away from people. Like that's just like someone, for example, like, I, I mean, to put it out of the context of sports, like that's like someone growing up just absolutely loving reading or loving screenplay or, or acting or whatever. And then 10, 15 years later, after doing it your entire life and only knowing that you're told you can't do it anymore. Yeah. And, and it's got nothing to do with your intention or your desire or your work ethic. Right. It's really, it's, it's, I mean, not that it's not a thing everybody understands or doesn't understand. It's just, I I mean, it's not specific to people who play sports, but I mean, it wouldn't have been any different if I was in a room and somebody would have said to Arden, you can't follow this dream, Uh, you know, whatever it is. And I would have, I would have had the same like reaction. It was really terrible. And he, well, let me ask you, like, so you go, so you switch back. I mean, you mess up both your legs. That's crazy. And so basketball, mm-hmm. the beating of basketball, that's over. So is that what makes you go back to baseball? Actually, I decided when I was getting my surgery, like I, I could have kept my scholarship. It was an, it was an academic scholarship in, at a small school in Minnesota, but I decided to give it back and come back home and get my surgery because I'd only been there eight days and I didn't know anybody. I was already depressed as all hell, yeah. you know, wanted to go home and be around my family. So got surgery and then rehabbed again for nine more months and decided that I was just going to start over from square one and play basketball at a junior college. So I went to the local junior college near my home at the time and played basketball again and played a season. I just didn't, it wasn't the same. I couldn't move the same. I was a very like quick, witty, like fast assist first point guard. Mm. And it just didn't work out anymore for me. I was scared to drive the lane because that's how it happened twice. One of them came from non-contact. The other one was contact coming down from a rebound. So I just wanted nothing to do with the paint. So 
after that, I started, you know, that was actually in 2015 when the Cubs were kind of making a run in the playoffs the first year before they ended up winning it the following year. Um, and that just kind of brought back a lot of emotion with baseball. And so I was like, you know what, I'm at a junior college, can't get much lower than this. I, I heard that the, the baseball coach really takes anybody. He doesn't cut players. You just might not play, but you can be part of the team, you know? Mm. So decided to do that. I sucked for a year and then ended up just sticking with baseball, playing the whole entire summer and just trying to get back into that. Wow. And then earned a starting spot on my junior college team the following season. Actually played a couple of games for for the basketball coach because he uh, he needed some extra players, and he was my teacher for one of my classes. So I played a couple of games of basketball, and then strictly played baseball after that, and then ended up going to a Division three school, kind of an hour away or so from my house. Good for you, man. That's that's really that's hard work, and and a lot of not giving up. Are you like that in other parts of your life, the not giving up part? Yeah, I would say that I am. I mean, I don't really know. I mean. Up until a couple of years ago when I graduated, it, I didn't really know anything else besides sports. But academic wise, I mean, I was never a kid that really cared about grades or school in high school. Mm-hmm. And then it went full circle. When I got to college, my coach kind of told me, hey, to earn a spot on the field, you have to be good. But also you need to have your grades up. Otherwise, you, you won't see the, the field, the court anywhere. Yeah. And that's when I really honed in and I ended up finishing. I think I finished with like a three, nine, four GPA. Um, I went to school for exercise science because of having so many injuries and torn ligaments and muscles and surgeries and you name it. I just wanted to understand the body a little bit more and kind of being a diabetic kind of helps that because you learn about a little bit with the body and the endocrine system and all the other systems of the body throughout that too. Are you doing that for a living now? I'm not. No, not even close. Wow. Well, so you ended <laughs> up with that degree, but what did you end up doing? So I did, after I graduated, I ended up starting my own LLC and doing baseball lessons, softball lessons, strength and conditioning classes, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I really loved it, but I did that to make ends, you know, I, I, and I, and I started to kind of drain from that just, just within a year, you know, I loved the kids and I loved giving back because I had coaches that kind of did the same for me, but I just didn't want to do it for the dollar. I wanted to do it because I you know, really enjoy working with kids and, you know, trying to help them grow and see them succeed is just, just kind of made me happy. Okay. And so I was working at a couple of facilities, had my own thing I was doing, kind of bouncing around, renting out fields and that sort of thing. And then my girlfriend and I actually decided to get away from our hometown in Illinois and moved out to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina uh, in December of last year. So just kind of came out here I was doing commu- uh, customer service for a, like a sporting goods company that I was at before. Right. And I was able to do that remote and kind of keep that job throughout the move. But now I actually found a job doing uh, in-home sales out here. So it gets me out of the house, gets me to meet people and I'm driving around and exploring and getting to know the area. Yeah. Well, you're a hustler a little bit. You're moving. Try- trying to. Yeah. yeah good trying for you. To. What is, what is she doing? Your girlfriend? She does. Uh, so she was a financial advisor for a company called, well, it doesn't really matter what yeah. the company was called, but so she was a financial advisor back home. And then we moved out here and she was able to move like home offices, if you will, I guess. Mm-hmm. So she's out here now, but she's not a financial advisor. She's just working underneath the financial advisor now. Um, because I mean that I couldn't even tell you that that job just sounds so difficult and hard. <laughs> and I mean, she's good at it. She's good at what she does, but she went to school for like actuarial math and like, she's really good with numbers. So she's kind of just helping them out over there now. Yeah. My son played baseball with a guy in college who got out and sort of did what you did. And he decided he was going to be an agent. And mm-hmm. um, he like 
found this one guy that he thought like nobody cared about. And he's like, I think this guy can do it. And that guy is pitching on a professional baseball team now. That's awesome. That's amazing. He's his agent. And he was able to go to a bigger agency and say, look, I represent this guy. If you bring me in as a partner, I'll bring him with me. And he actually built that thing for himself like that. See, that's really cool. Yeah, isn't that crazy? I just, I thought that was such an amazing um, story, honestly. It really is. Yeah. I uh, Well, I appreciate you telling me about this. Um, I want to talk a little more about, before we move on. So I watched my son go through a transition when he realized he was hurt. And that decision of like, am I going to like try to push through this and rehab it? And like, then go back and keep, doing it. And he did it. Like he was six. I mean, honestly, the way he did the rehab was really, I was amazed by it. It took a lot of effort every day. It was difficult and painful at times. And there was no clear win in sight. Like just keep doing this thing so that hopefully six months from now, when you go back to the doctor, they'll say, yeah, it's okay. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. and then you still don't know if it's going to explode five seconds later, one way or the other. That was really something like to watch him put that work in on something he didn't know could pay him back or not. I, I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. But yeah, it's really just like the not like you don't really know kind of it's like the fear of the unknown or like you don't know what's next or what can possibly be. You just kind of keep working towards one thing and hoping that that's going to. Yeah. Pay off. Yeah. I mean, like, listen, if you if you decide to put the effort in to build a house, you know, at the end, you'll live in the house. This whole thing was just like. I mean, it's hard to put into words, like the amount of rehab that went into it and specific exercises and specific care and all this stuff that he had to do every day. And then it was, you know, you weren't sure that it was going to pay you at all. Like, like it was just really, it was, it was an arduous thing to go through. And then he went back Mm -hmm. and played his senior year and had a great year. And it was, it was wonderful. Like it, all that hard work paid off. He had, yeah, like the time of his life for a couple of months in his senior year during the season, right? Like a great time. But he yeah. still was like, well, wants to apply it again and again and keep moving. And so he starts resetting his goals. But there just been had been so much of um you didn't live through COVID, but like these kids lost like a season for COVID. Oh, I did. Oh, I you did. did. Oh, it was a season. Yeah, so I so I graduated at twenty five. I my my oh. college career was very um Oh later because of out. Yeah, yeah, because of my surgery. So I was under the impression now I don't know if this is true or not, don't quote me on this, but I was told that you know, once I went to school full time, once I took a full 12 hours of credits, that my eligibility clock would start with the NCAA. Mm-hmm. So I was scared of that. So I was taking only part time classes. I was taking like nine, 10, 11 hours per semester while I was rehabbing so that I didn't start my clock. So I don't know if that helped or hurt me, but I yeah. was able to play. I got a year back because of COVID. My That was probably my best season, which is unfortunate because I was doing so well and I, you know, didn't meet my girlfriend at the time. So I was really trying to pursue playing professional baseball still and 12 games into the season we were having the best season that we could have had and our season actually ended in florida on our spring trip we oh. played our last game and and our coach kind of brought us into a uh the hotel like conference room and we all all 40 of us cried together like little kids that our season was over that's where coles ended in the same in florida at on, really? his, on his spring trip it's possible we were at the same place so, no kidding. yeah. Uh, and I remember the same thing. I remember the seniors. Cole was a sophomore. I remember the seniors. Uh, the game ended and the coach went out. I think it, it, I think it was like partway through the game. They decided this was the last game. And oh. and then and then we're going home. And the school had said 
they're going to cancel the season. And I watched like it's tough, like seniors in college that look I mean, especially athletes, like they look like men. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they're standing out in the field hugging each other, crying. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, like this is terrible. And then, you know, that whole season was gone. And then the following season, they did this abbreviated, like, I don't know, 14 game season. So my son did the same thing you did. He didn't go back to 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 preserve his eligibility. Oh, okay. Yeah. He trained like he just trained in baseball um, and went to classes remotely. And that he was able to do a similar thing where he just like kind of took a little bit of a break and that break kept him from his clock running for his NCAA clock. And um, yeah, and then he went back and had all this eligibility left and had a, like a, a really great like senior year. But then there was such a gap in his playing time that when he was trying to like keep playing, people were like, well, you, you didn't play for a year and a half. He's like, nobody played for a year and a half. And they're like, yeah, but you don't have stats and we don't know you for that year and a half. And that ended up being an issue for him. So yeah. it was really upsetting. Honestly, it was terrible. Uh, but it really is. Yeah. But what I wanted to get to was when you finally decide I'm not doing this anymore. Were you able to make a clean cut with it or was that a process as well? You know what? It's really funny that I was able to make such a clean cut. I played my whole life. My whole life was dedicated to basketball. Obviously, I had baseball in there from a lot of the time. You know, I played travel ball from like eight to 14 whenever it was in high school and did all that. But basketball is the main part of my life. And I actually transferred a couple different high schools sort of due to that, but also other reasons with my parents divorcing and Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. But mainly basketball, like I switched, I went to a whole new high school my senior year just to play basketball. So like to have that and then just totally like wipe it away and kind of be done with it. I think the, the hardest part for me was my dad not being accepting that I wanted to play baseball again. Like he just knew that, you know, he had a feeling that he was, you know, that I was a great basketball player and that he wanted me to keep playing but he just couldn't accept the fact that I was done with basketball. Okay. And I think that was the hardest, cl- the hardest like cut to have. Hmm. I watched the, the end of it for Cole took a couple of months and it was like this slow realization, like, Oh, that's not working out or this isn't going to line up like that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And I'm not sure about my, at the end, though, he was his arm was fine. I don't know what would have happened if he would have gone well, that's back. That's good and, that he ended. That's good that he ended up healthy, though. Yeah, honestly. yeah, I think that too because I don't know. He could have gone back and gotten hurt again or something, and you know, would have been mm-hmm. another rehab just to rehab just to use your arm and not to play baseball and all that stuff. So yeah. So the interesting spot where he, from my perspective, where he just lets it go, um, he was starting to look for jobs. And he was trying to find a job in a certain place because he thought, I'm going to go to this city and I'm going to I'm going to keep training. Like, I'll keep training as a pitcher, Mm -hmm. but I'll work at the same time. Like he was trying to figure out a way to support himself. And so he was looking for. So Cole has a a like a I don't know how to put it. My son's degree is in quantitative econ. So it's like data and statistics and things like that. Okay. And, and um like data analytics and yeah and he wants to work in baseball like like cole wants to be the general manager of a baseball team like that's what he wants to do he wants to make the decisions about you know who they use and who they get and stuff like that and that's, that's and awesome. so, yeah and that so that's his goal right it's a big goal it's hard but so he's he's applying for all these jobs with major league baseball teams and he's in the middle of a um 
these these job applications aren't like you don't fill out a piece of paper and then go talk to somebody. They give you projects to do on your own. They give you a very limited amount of time and you have to come back with, you know, your work. So mm-hmm. he, so he's in the middle of doing a project for the Tampa Bay Rays. And he has to choose uh, a rule five position player and a rule five uh, pitcher for them to 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 consider. I don't know if people know what the rule five draft is. It's not really important, but there's these kind of players who are kind of on the outside. They're probably minor leaguers. They're getting passed around like they're good players, but nobody really wants to commit to them. They're kind Mm -hmm. of on, on the fringes. If you're a Phillies fan, Shane Victorino was a rule five draft. Like he's one of the guys that came out of the rule five draft and moved from one team to another and ended up being, you know, I think a, an all-star on a you know world series team. So, so Cole's doing the date, going through the data and he's pouring through the data and he just kind of says to me, look at all these guys, these pitchers. And I was like, right. And he goes, um, they're my size. They're my weight. They throw as hard as I do. And I'm like, right. And he goes, they're three years, four years older than me. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, no one cares about them. And I, I went right. He goes, I'm not doing this anymore. And he just like, like it just, the data was in front of him and it was Mm -hmm. like, it made sense to him. Like, I don't want to spend the next three years throwing this baseball to be in a situation where I'm on some list where people are like, Hey, can you find anything good on this list? Mm -hmm. And, and he's like, I I don't, I don't want to put that kind of effort if there's no like reasonable, you know, way to get through it. Yeah, he's being realistic. Yeah, and he just like boom, like I just watched him let go of it. It was yeah. really interesting. I was very proud of him because, like I said, at that point he's twenty two, maybe, and yeah, he's, yes, he's still young. He's, at that time. Still, he's still young. He's, I mean, I can't for years. I can't have a catch with my kid anymore at a, at a close distance. Like the I, you, you all It'll break you, your hand. You don't even know. It, it just my thumb like. Like the pad of my thumb and my thumb gets sore and swollen. The ball makes a noise when it's coming through the air that is unnerving. <laughs> it like goes, maybe we got maybe we got to teach you how to catch that glove, or maybe we got to get you with two in the pink, two uh, fingers in the pinky slot. Oh, so don't worry, I, pocket. I was doing that. I was doing everything. I'm, just, I'm an old man. And I'm Did just, you have the glove pad on there too? Used to, I used to put a towel on my hand in in my palm just to try to create more padding, like anything. Like we had like torn up towels that like, and I'm not like, I'll say this thing. I look at my kids and my assumption is that my mailman is very attractive and athletic. So, (laughs) because I'm not, I've never been nearly as athletic as my kids are. And so it's that way though. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So I mean, I'm not out there like all schlubby, but I'm not, I'm not him. You know what I mean? So like I'm out there trying to do this thing with him. He was still at that point when he decided to stop. But other things happen. A boy in our town got drafted. And oh, that, that brings his, his spirits up. He wants, once you see that, that makes you want to stay with it. But the kid quit in like three months. Of being drafted? He got drafted and he was out. Like, I think he did one mind, like low A season. And he was like, that's it. I'm done. Was he young? Was he in, did he get drafted out of high school? Or no, he, he was out, out, of out, of, out of college. You would think that he would actually stick around longer. I mean, some guys will get shelled, though, and then they'll just be like, nope, this isn't for me. And it's better to make that decision early than spend six to ten years in the league and then 
beating yourself you up for no league. reason. And then you get that one. Who's that dude from the A's that just got like he was in the league for like the last 13 years or something like that. And he finally got called up for a game yeah. and then got brought back down. And then he like kind of goes back and forth. It's just a, I mean, it's a lifestyle. Like there's no, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's an absolute grind. You know, I have nothing but credit. I have friends that are playing pro ball right now. You know, I have nothing but love for all them. Yeah. It's just, you, you just got to be willing to do it and you got to be willing to kind of put your family and your career and life to the side Yeah, while you chase this dream. And it just wasn't working out for me. I was 25 when I graduated two former torn ACLs, seven broken bones. I ended up tearing my labrum on my left side right before my COVID senior year. And that's when I had to make that decision to either get surgery and not play or just play around it. Did you play with a pain? I did it for a year already. I did it during COVID and I had my best season. So I was like, screw it. I'm not going to go under the knife and then potentially have it not be the same. So I might as well just keep playing with it. And I don't really deal with the issue much i just can't do certain shoulder exercises at the gym mm-hmm. but other than that i'm good i'm golfing a lot now oh, that's crazy <laughs> uh, were you able to go from swinging a bat to swinging a golf club i was but i didn't i didn't touch a golf club until um like the end end of my career like i didn't i was so against it and I, now i know why because i ended up playing a season of softball over here with some friends and it's just totally different like i can't even i can't even uh, justify the two <laughs> Do you miss playing or do you miss camaraderie? Is there anything about it that you wish still existed for you? Oh, I miss it all. I mean, I, it took me a lot. You, you said it was easier. Like you asked about the clean cut with basketball. It was so much easier to cut basketball because I moved to baseball. But if I went just cold turkey, kind of, you know, I think it would have been much tougher. Now, after my playing career, I was still, that's kind of why I think I started to dive into giving lessons because I didn't want to let go. Mm-hmm. I really haven't watched MLB baseball much. That's, I have an issue with you know, the emotions of umpires these days and just kind of everything where the game's going. I think that some of the rules are good, um, but I just don't watch it as much as I used to and as, as much as I would have liked to. I mean, I'm out in South Carolina. There's a the, the low-A Cubs team out here. That's the only, only baseball there is. Mm-hmm. And I've gone to a couple games, but I just am not, I'm not into it as much as I was. Um, but it definitely took a lot longer for me to get over it as far as, you know, compared to basketball. Yeah. When my son was playing, he didn't he didn't go to professional baseball games. He 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 said he didn't he didn't like to watch people play baseball. He wanted to play baseball. Exactly, because I would just be itching out there. Yeah, and chances are I'm just chirping the guys out there, and I have no room to talk. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So, how did you manage your diabetes through all of this? The um, basketball, the baseball, being away at college, having injuries. Like, how's that been for you? It was a struggle for sure. But I mean, I was, I was actually just having a conversation with my mom this morning because I kind of wanted to know kind of how it was like, did she like, obviously I remember everything, but I just wanted to know from a different perspective. And she was like, yeah, I, I never helped you with any of that. That was always all you, you were very controlled with that. I, the only time she ever actually gave me an injection was in the hospital when they told her to, Hmm. and they like, were like training us. So I've always given myself my own shots and everything but basically what happened was I, I was, they didn't give me a pump for the first three, three and a half years of me being a diabetic. Okay. It was all just MDI injections and a meter. I was checking five to 10 times a day and taking up to 10 shots a day. Hmm. And where, where's your like A1C at during that time? Oh, that was, it was high. I was, di- when I was diagnosed, it was 12. Um, and then I it really hasn't been much. It was like around the 10, 11, nine during that time. And then I got on Medtronic when I was in high school 
and that was just brutal. Um, I didn't like being connected like that and just had so many issues. That was, I think that was more when Medtronic was a little bit newer, at least I hope so, because there was a lot of issues that I was having with them. Um, whether the battery cap would come off and it wouldn't stay on or whatever the case was. And then I actually, when I was in like early in college, when I switched over to, to, um, baseball, Mm -hmm. I actually kept the pump on at times. And then there was one time in particular during summer ball when I kept it on and I hit a, um, I ended up hitting like a triple that I stretched out. And then I kept my pump on. I didn't even know I had my pump on until I was at third base. And I was like, oh, I'll be fine. You know, I wanted to slide into home. And I slid into home and I broke my pump. And it was just beeping at me like uncontrollably for like 15 minutes. And I'm sitting, luckily it's summer ball. So I was able to sit on the bench and let someone sub in for me while I was on the phone with Medtronic's customer service trying to figure out how to turn it off. But during basketball, I would just take off the pump. And that was, I would run high a lot. So that was kind of an issue. And then after the Medtronic issue that I had, I just decided to go back to injections. So I was on the in-pen for a while Mm -hmm. um, throughout college, actually throughout like a lot of my playing career. And then I didn't get on the Omnipod dash until um, I finished playing baseball. Okay. Or right towards the end. I mean, higher A1Cs and and that kind of stuff. Like, is that a thing you learned after time? Like, did you, like, I, because I'm also hearing your parents got divorced as you're being diagnosed, right? Mm-hmm. So your mom's, are you living with your mom? I was living with my mom at the time. And then sort of like halfway through high school, I uh, started living with my dad. Okay. So that, so that's, there's some instability there. So neither of them yeah. really are on top of the diabetes. They're letting mm-hmm. it up to you. You're not doing a terrific job, obviously, because you're a kid, um, Correct. but you're keeping yourself moving. Where is it now? Like, what have you learned over the years? Taking care of your health isn't always easy but it should at least be simple. That's why for the last three years, I've been drinking AG1 every day. No exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day every day, and it makes me feel energized and focused. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. Before I was taking AG1, I would get that brain fog in the middle of the day, and I just couldn't seem to get on top of it. But now, that doesn't happen anymore. By starting my day with AG1, I found focus and a renewed ability to perform at my highest level all day long. DrinkAG1.com slash juicebox. When you use that link, you're supporting the production of the Juicebox podcast. I drink AG1 in the morning, but you could use it as a coffee replacement before a workout or in your smoothie. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1. And that's why I've partnered with them for so long. So if you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash juicebox. That's drinkag1.com slash juicebox. Check it out. Omnipod is a lifesaver. Um, that's what I've learned. Dexcom is also a lifesaver. I just, it's just easier once I, like once I stopped playing, honestly, I hate to say it, my numbers got way better, but that's because I, I didn't have such a gruesome schedule. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I played division three baseball. I didn't play D one baseball where we're getting all this delicious, more healthy food delivered to us or made for us. We're stopping at gas stations on the way to and from games or McDonald's. And I'm refusing to eat that. So yeah. that's really where it came from. But the 
the auto the automated system on the, on the five is is just next level and it's just much easier because I think that my biggest problem was I usually don't eat early in the mornings I'll usually fast till anywhere from like noon to two or three o'clock um, and then I'll mm-hmm. eat later at night and I'm kind of more of a snacker later at night if anything and that's kind of when I would be running higher is later at night and then throughout the middle of the night I'm not awake obviously to give myself insulin or to see where my levels are heading um, and then that's where the five kind of nipped that and it's been great since wow so how long have you been doing Omnipod pod five i started in june of 22 um so june of last year i think it was actually a little earlier than that because it came out i think it was cleared by the fda in like february or something and i was waiting and waiting and waiting for that prior using dash is Mm -hmm. that right okay and then you go to the automated system and how did you learn to set it so i had an endo that kind of set it up for me um based off of my dash settings a little bit like i I don't Mm -hmm. think it was like correlated at all i think she just kind of used what i had from my other settings and that sort of thing and kind of mess with it a little bit and then actually i so that was around yeah so that was last year so then i ended up the last time i saw that doctor was in october of last year so i don't really i actually just got an a1c yesterday out here but i did it in urgent care so it takes three days for it to come in you got to send it out to a lab whatever so i don't have a current a1c but it was the lowest it's ever been rate when I jumped on it in June and it was 6.8. Oh man. Good for you. Yeah. I expect it to be way lower. I mean, I'm, I'm not one to settle for anything, let alone that, but. I mean, listen, that's, that's a long time for a little kid who's got all this other stuff going on that you've, I mean, gone Mm -hmm. over to try to like, you know, grow up, become an adult, realize that this needs more care and concern, figure out what that means, actually put that stuff into practice. And to get to a six, eight is really terrific. And you, and are, are you thinking there's more? I'm thinking it's lower already, but even, I mean, I've had issues with insurance, so I haven't steadily been using Omnipod five. Like I wish I can now, hopefully now that my insurance is kicked in with this new job, hopefully it'll be fine and smooth sailing from here on out. Obviously that's not usually how it goes in the case of our diseases here, but you know, I'm hoping for that. And I'm hoping that I can stick with OmniPod 5 and stay with the Dexcom. I don't really know about the G7, obviously, because it doesn't have that set up with the 5 yet. But I'm I'm cool with the G6 and the OmniPod 5 uh, until yeah, the wheels fall terrific. off, you know. <laughs> what, what, when you don't have insurance coverage, what do you so use? So I'm just going back to, you know, injections, which is tough because I haven't had really an endo since October. So I'm kind of just doing it. I'm just, you know, you're my endo at this point, you and the juice box podcast has been my endo. (laughs) And so myself just trial and error, it's just really that. And I've just been doing injections. And then actually I've been kind of contacting Omnipod and Dexcom and getting replacements for ones that I've had in the past that I've never called in on and stuff like that. So I'm kind of sort of milking it a little bit, I guess. Okay. Well, Troy, when we're done, hold on for a second, yeah. okay? Yeah, I might have a couple of things here I can send you. Okay. I, I just, I appreciate the conversation very much uh, because I have this, you know, this personal connection to watching, like, forget sports. Like, it's not baseball. Like, it's, um, it's watching kids move and transition through parts of their mm-hmm. life. Like, that's the part that I'm, I'm really... I'm, I'm amazed by, and I can see where the pitfalls could be, you know, where that stuff could go wrong, where you could like, you know, you talked about feeling depressed for a while, um, around your injuries. Mm-hmm. 
I was worried about my son when he, you know, I was like, what, what's going to happen? Like, I'm not saying he did something or that I saw something that made me think, oh God, is he going to be okay? But you put so much effort into something and for it to just like disappear. And I don't know that that's any, you know, that that's that much different than, I don't know, like waking up one day when you're 23 and having diabetes all of Mm -hmm. a sudden, like, you know, like there's this thing you've been doing an expectation you have is a path you're moving on and then suddenly somebody just steps up and goes no over mm-hmm. you you can't can't argue you can't fight you can't you know can't send in a a form to try to get us to change our mind this is just happening now yeah and you know and it's i mean it's tough man do you have brothers and sisters I do, yeah i have an older brother uh he's four years older than me an older sister who's two years older than me and a younger sister who's five years younger than me were they any help through all this, like just comfort or? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, my my older sister is now a PA. She played basketball in college. She was actually one of the best natural shooters I've ever seen, and I tell everybody that. Um, but she uh, she kind of was a big role model for me for sports, and then she's a PA now, like I said. So she's she knows she has a little bit of a grasp of kind of diabetes more than anybody else in my family. Mm-hmm. So that kind of helps a little bit. But other than that, I mean, even my mom says, she's like, hey, listen, like even she told me this years ago, too. I remember it like vividly. Um, but she, her her and my dad both said like, hey, you know, obviously, we're really sorry that you got this. But if if it was going to be anybody in the family, we're glad it's you because you're able to handle it. And we know you can handle it and kind of do your thing. So isn't it funny, Troy, like that, that the A1Cs you talked about having earlier, we're talking about like it's being handled. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it's... um. This is not uncommon. Hold on, I have to sit up. I have to move that. The legs started falling asleep up there. So Yeah, I don't want that. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I had it up there too long. This is not uncommon in these conversations, right? The idea that you're alive and you're doing your insulin, so you're handling it. Mm-hmm. But your A1C is whatever it right. is, and it's not really being handled well. It's being, I mean, handled, but how everyone is so comfortable saying, oh, you had it, but you didn't have Mm -hmm. it. Exactly. And then they tell you, you can handle it, but did you know you couldn't handle it? Or did you think you were doing a good job? No, I didn't think I could handle it at all. But I think that I was also that young kid that kind of was annoyed with my parents getting on my case about stuff and kind of would tell them that it's okay or tell them that it's good. And then they obviously mm-hmm. just stopped kind of putting that effort forth. Yeah. I don't trust anybody. They tell me it's good, mm-hmm. whether it's on this podcast or in my real life. I'm like, what? Yeah, what what's is good, good to you good? and what's good? To, you know, it could be different from everybody. But honestly, I think that I had a I had a really hard time with my endos after I was diagnosed. And even after, like my my pediatric endo was so mean to me that I would literally be so scared to go to the appointments and like, how did that happen? I don't know. I just like, she would just like really like lay into me and it was like, she wouldn't put any like blame or like kind of like get upset with my parents at all. She would just get upset with me and like, she would just like get really angry with me. And like, I was obviously an emotional kid at the time. My parents had just divorced. I didn't really have much, you know, parental supervision and that, and that sort of thing, or anyone kind of like helping me in a, in a sense of like, Hey, Troy, you should probably do this. You should check this. Like my mom was great at counting my carbs for me and like cooking me meals and like making sure that I had the right numbers down and stuff like that for the most part. 
or like she would help me with like my low blood sugars and stuff like that. So it's not like they were like unfit parents in that regard, but obviously diabetes is a different beast that you need to tame head on. And we just really didn't. So just butted heads with her and like, she would see my A1Cs and she would just think that I wasn't trying or wasn't doing anything. And obviously I had the honeymoon phase and I had all these different things going on and she just didn't really give me the proper care. In my opinion, I wasn't getting changes in my numbers. Like I should have been, she was kind of just, they were letting me coast. Like they, they didn't put me, they refused to put me on a pump until my sugars got better, which I didn't think made any sense at all. But I was also 13 and thought that I knew everything at that time. Well, I agree with you. I agree. I mean, I don't, if, if it's a thing you can't, first of all, she's got to know your parents just got divorced, mm-hmm. right? And you're young and you're not doing well. And her answer to that is to say, we'll keep doing this till you figure mm-hmm. it out. And you were scared to be yeah, there. Exactly. Well, what the hell, yeah. man? That's not good. Yeah. So I had some, uh, some PTSD with, <laughs> with endos. So, um, bounced around to a couple I actually had, um, when I was younger, I was a very short kid, very, very short kid. So when I was diagnosed, my dad, you know, spoke to somebody, one of his friends or whatever, I guess, who was a basketball coach. And he was like, Hey, you should check out this foundation and down at rush in Chicago, it's called the magic foundation. And they basically will test you for like hormones and that sort of thing. So I ended up getting tests on my pituitary glands and they, it was like this whole nine hour test that they had to do with a bunch of blood work every few hours. And they found out that I wasn't producing enough, like by any means, like I was very below the amount that I needed. Um, so I started to take uh, growth hormone therapy and do that for a couple of years too. So that was also affecting my sugars a lot too. And they had, they were also acting as my endo too. And that lady was just even worse. It was just like brutal. <laughs> it was so bad. I wonder if um, stretching you out led the to ACLs, maybe I, I, Scott, I've had that same thought pounding in my head for years yeah. because I was thinking that my dad was being a little greedy, trying to get me an extra couple inches in my height. And that's how I ended up tearing my ACLs and having these injuries all over because of my body growing out of, or my bones mm-hmm. growing too fast or growing more than they should have, or obviously it's abnormal growing and that sort of thing. So I've, I've definitely thought that myself. I just haven't confirmed it or, you know, I don't even know if I want to know if it's for sure true or not, because I don't know how I'd feel. Yeah. Oh, you'd be. How tall were you before the procedure? So I was, let's see, diag- diagnosis, I was four foot nine and I was 79 pounds and I was at 13. And then going into high school, I was, f- I was four eleven going into my senior or my freshman year of high school. And I was five and Get I was, the hell yeah, out of here. and I was five, eight uh, in graduation. Is your list height real on your baseball thing? Are you 5'11"? I like to think I'm 5'11". My girlfriend thinks I'm not. She thinks I'm like 5'9". <laughs> but I, I would say I'm like 5'10", 5'10 and a half. So this is so interesting. Uh, my son never lied about his height. And it's so common in Oh, baseball. it's common in basketball, too. I The only reason why I did it is because all my other teammates lied and I was taller than them. And I was like, I'm not putting that I'm shorter than you, dude. I'm two inches taller than you. Like that's going to look bad for scouting. So I would, so that's when I started to lie is when all my other teammates did. So I had to look like I had to look the part. So I'd always be an inch taller than the kids that I was actually taller than. So that, that really is, we've had this conversation because my son's like, I'm not lying. I'm five eleven. Just say I'm five eleven, And, and he actually is five eleven, And so, but, other people around him were like, I'm six one. And he's like, I'm taller yeah, than you. That's a bunch of DMs. like, I, and, and it would happen. Like everyone would pick a number that they thought somebody would be interested mm-hmm. in. 
it's it, it's so fascinating. But anyway, it ended up hurting Cole sometimes because when he said he was five eleven, people assumed he was five nine. Yeah, it's like a <laughs> really, secret. It's, it's like it the went. secret, like with that. It's just so weird how that works. Yeah. Listen, here here's the secret I'm going to tell all of you because I've been through the whole thing now. Uh, when they see you, they know exactly. How you <laughs> exactly. So it's like, what does it matter? I'm five eleven with cleats on. I'm definitely five eleven. So that's why I was like, cool. I'm I'm going to be wearing cleats most of the time. Well, that and that is another thing too. Is that like, Cole's like I'm like six one in my shoes. See, that's when you should put six like, one. So, they're not going to take. They're not going to tell you to take your shoes off and measure your your height at a at a combine <laughs> or or and maybe at a combine they would, but but at like a at like a showcase or whatever. However, they do that. Yeah, no, it's interesting how people's minds work. So, I, I think Cole's natural position is center field. Yep, and he and he has um an affinity. I mean, he's old now. He'd probably say I can't do that anymore. But like. He he had an affinity for where the ball was, like he was he was always where the mm-hmm. ball was, and so if you put a ball off a wall, he'd be standing there. He knows like, where it's gonna like ricochet. He knows where it's gonna bounce. They, like it's not a catchable. Like like keep in mind, it's not a catchable ball. And most people that I watched the entire time he was doing this and recruiting and everything, most people would have been 10, 15 feet away from where the ball landed. But Colt would almost catch those balls. And then he'd have it like immediately get it back in. I to see to tell you how many singles, how many guys, how many doubles were held to singles. Yeah. How many triples were held to doubles like that kind of stuff isn't it's insane. But it but people don't see it that way. They see, oh, you got really close to the ball. You didn't didn't catch catch it, though. Yeah. Right. And it and and so the ones that were catchable, he made look easy. Mm -hmm. And and the ones that were uncatchable he was there and he would impact the game properly, but an untrained eye would see it as, Oh, why were you so close? But didn't catch the ball. And that it's a real thing. Like it was hard to play for people who understood the nuances of it. Yeah. It was, was, was really interesting. And so anyway, my point was that people who knew would say to me, Oh my God, how fast is he? What is he must run like a, and they would say some crazy 60 time. Yeah. What is, and what is like, his 60 or what was his 60? It was never like insane. People thought he was running like a six three or a six two, but he was always more like a six six. That's still he just flying. knew where the, that's still fine. But he knew where the ball was, Troy. Like he knew where it was going. He would move when the bat was being swung. Like he had a real yeah, affinity so his, for he's it. He's probably had a really good quick twitch. But also, even if you're running a sixty, like no one I, I that's why the sixty doesn't really make sense because no one's ever running sixty yards in a straight line. And yeah, with him being that fast for a sixty, he's able to get to spots so much faster than other kids because he can. He knows not only know, does he know where it's going, but he can move. Mm-hmm. So he's going to get there a lot quicker than an average person would, and that's what that's what helps a lot out there. And people don't realize that though. Yeah, no, but what? But when people are measuring things, what they see is there's one kid. It's always one short kid who runs like a six two sixty, like some. In, he's out there in his bare feet yeah, running it, like fine. he's like like a. Yeah, like he grew up in the jungle or something, like you know. And he's like, he's like, I don't even need shoes; I can do this. The kid, kid flies, can't catch a baseball, terrible outfielder, blah 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 blah. But look at his sixty. That kid gets people pay attention to. That. Yeah, it's the unfortunate part about scouting. Yeah, and then once in a while you get somebody who really knows what they're talking about. And I was uh, listen. We were at a um a summer game during COVID, maybe because like. 
like, you know, while schools were shutting down, like real baseball players were still playing baseball places. Like my son played more better baseball because of Mm -hmm. COVID than he would have played if he was in college. And so, um, we're at this field one, 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 uh, summer that summer, I think. And this guy with a clipboard, he comes around to our side of the field and he goes, uh, whose son is wearing this number? And I was like, is it, is the, is the father of this kid here? And I was like, oh, that's my son. And he comes over to me and he goes, uh, Hey, I'm here for the pitcher today on the other team. And I'm like, right. He goes, and he told me what team he was there for. He was there for, he was a pro scout. And he said, your son, I've been watching him. He's like, he grades as a professional outfielder. Wow. And, and I said, I, I know. Thank you. What do we do about that? He goes, ah, you know, <laughs> keep playing. It's literally how it went. Like I, I had a man stand in front of me and use the words, your son grades out as a professional outfielder. And then when you ask them what to do next, they're like, mm, yeah, just I don't keep, know. Playing, keep playing, keep we'll getting s- stats we'll and reps. And- yeah. And it's all, bu- it's not, it's not a, the system it's, is, no, it's not, that's why, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. That's part of the reason so, why I decided not to play professional baseball. But I was also 25 and broke, broken. It, well, my point is, is that, is that they, they take the things that they can yeah. see. So if you're taller, good. If you're bigger, good. If you're super fast, good. These are things that minds can like absorb quickly. Mm -hmm. Like there's no one standing there except one guy one day, luckily says things like, man, your son takes perfect routes to things. His arm is terrific. Like, I think what happened was that day, the, um, they were just, they were on a team that was so good that got, they would just run out to a, they didn't even play the same position the whole game because they were just, they were so good. It didn't matter. They could go anywhere and play anywhere. So in one inning, Cole moved from center to right and someone hit a ball down the line, right down the right field line. I think there was someone on second and, um, no, 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 excuse me. There was someone on third. And Cole caught the ball down the line in foul territory. I'm going to tell you probably 250 feet down the line in that space going into the fence. And Cole threw the kid out trying to tag from third to go home Jeez. and caught the ball. But, you know, obviously. So, like, that's the kind of stuff he could do. And in the end, what he would tell me is, I'm not tall enough. They don't care. Look at Altuve. Look at all these other guys, though. Eh, but it's always one guy. Yeah, you're going to be the oddball. Every generation, there's a three-foot-tall guy that plays professional baseball. It was the, what was the, was the guy before Altuve was something, Tula Whiskey or something like that. Like, there's always Troy one, Tula Whiskey. right? Is that who I'm thinking of? Like, right, like, so there's always one. And, and you know, then it's Altuve and it'll be another one. But, but the point is, is that I don't know that my son could or could not have been a professional baseball player. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that, based on his size that was it for people they were like ah he's not that he's not tall and then that would be kind of the end yeah. of it and it it was really it was it's a hard way to live it really and is. um so i'm talking about this for people who are listening because if your kids are going through this my best advice and i'll ask troy his in a second my best advice is find a school where academically you fit really well and that you could play baseball or your sport or whatever it is and go and have a good time. Mm-hmm. And if anything else comes of it, then that's a bonus. But if you're not a monster or running like lightning or something like that, you can't will yourself into the position you think you can will yourself into. Like it just doesn't right. happen. My son is a really skilled baseball player and it did not matter. 
Like it, it, in the end, it kind of didn't matter. Yeah, you almost have to be lucky. So, lucky, huge, no yeah, somebody. Yeah, it's really about who you know too, honestly. I mean, I, I would say that the biggest thing is don't waste your money going to all these damn showcases and all these different money grab events just to get you to think that your kid's going to play somewhere. Um, and I definitely agree with what you say. And to piggyback off that, go somewhere where you're going to play. I don't want, I mean, unless you want to be that kid that to tell everyone, Hey, I played at a division one university or, Hey, I, I went, I was on the baseball team at a division one university. I didn't play a single minute or a single inning or a single at bat, but I was there on the team. I just wasn't on the roster. You know, it's obviously yep. personal preference and whatever kids want to do. But if you actually are pursuing college baseball in the next level, go somewhere where you're going to play. I was always trying to put off junior colleges and put off junior colleges because I thought that I was better than that. And I might've been sure, but I, it didn't end up panning out that way. And junior college ended up saving my life. And I think Juco sports in general, and just junior college in general, even if you're not playing sports is a great route because you're going to save a ton of money in the, in the end. Yeah. So those things are very expensive and it's like it's like a slot machine. Mm-hmm. Like you're just putting in quarters and pulling, hoping that something happens, yep. right? Um, and 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 Cole had two moments, two moments. Like all this work that he put in, and these things he go and play at these showcases to make sure people could see him. So based on his baseball and his grades, he was approached by Penn, so uh, Ivy League school, mm-hmm. right? And the guy pulls me aside first to tell me, my God, your son's amazing, blah, blah, blah. He did this thing on, um, he was on a, an all-purpose field. So it, it, they were playing this game on an all-purpose field. So it didn't have a left field fence. It had like a, it had like a right field fence that kind of disappeared into nowhere. So this kid um, hit a home run. If the, my point is, is that if the field had a, a fence, this was a home run. It would have been over the, the center field fence. But because there was no fence there, Cole didn't have to stop running. <laughs> So he tracked it down and and caught the ball probably 425 feet into center field. Wow. And that was a bomb. Like, it wasn't like a rocket. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was up in the air for a while. He was able to get to it. So he caught that ball, and then he threw a kid out at second trying to go from first to second on it. And Penn came over, and he's talking to me. Tell me about your son's grades. What's he? Boom. He goes, this kid's perfect for us. I'm going to love him, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I'm going to talk to you guys after the game. Um, then Cole, like, comes and pitches a couple of innings at the end of the game. The guy's like, oh, my God, he can pitch. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, he's so super excited. And then Cole walks in off the field. And I say, hey, this is, and I still remember the guy's name. And, I, and I was, I'm not going to say it here. But I was like, this is this guy. He thinks you're, you might be good for Penn. And Cole, like, lit up. He was like, holy crap, like, I'm going to get to go to school, like, close to my house at an Ivy League school and play baseball. And, like, this is insane. And then the guy looks at him and goes, uh, how, how tall are you? And my son goes, I'm 5'11", but I'm really 5'11". I, I, I swear I am. And he goes, yeah. He goes, my guy's not going to put you out on the field at that height. Boy. And he was like, wait, what? And it just, it stopped as quickly as it started. Yeah, that's the only thing and, with showcases. It's just hard. Yeah. By the way, this happened a second time, and I will call out that school too. Not a call out, but I'll, I'll name them. Uh, North Carolina. Can you imagine how excited I was the day that uh, the Tar Heels guy sat down next to me in a, in a stadium and said, hey, is that your son out in center? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. He goes, yeah, your coach told me you were his father. Can you tell me about his grades? And we sat there for 45 minutes 
talking about Cole and his grades. And he's like, man, he's, he's really good. And he's like, it's just very impressed and blah, blah, blah. And he's, we're moving. And the game ends. I swear to you, same thing. Game ends. My son comes over. Guy goes, hey, how tall are you? Cole's like, I'm 5'11", but I really am 5'11". Guy goes, yeah, my, my coach isn't going to let you play at that height. See, that's just unbelievable. They're like, hey, what about a deal breaker? Yeah. Like, I, I do this better than your guy who's an inch taller than me. Nobody cares. Yeah, that's what's unfortunate. That's what, and that's what's tough. And that's yeah. why I say what I say about showcases. It's not knocking them at all. Obviously, if there's some legit showcases going on, then great. All power to you for helping these kids. But a lot of it is like the only way I'm sending my kid. I don't have any kids. The only way I'm sending my kid out there is if I know for sure that he's going to be one of the best there. And he's got this one thing that's going to stand out as opposed to everybody else. He runs a 6 mm-hmm. 60 he hits the ball however hard off the bat. He can throw the ball however far, however hard. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't just send your kid to a showcase if he's not ready either. Because once you show him to the world that one time, it's there to stay. And people are going to judge him off of that one experience, that PBR report, that showcase report, that whatever it is. Yeah. I, I think generally, genuinely, what what we learned, it was the North Carolina guy. It It, it did me in. Like, I was like, wait a minute, like, but I'm pulling this, pulling this slot machine and cherries came up and then the cherries told me, no, thank you. And I was like, wait, right. what? like what? So he, st- he like literally for all the time we spent together, as soon as he saw Cole and Cole wasn't six two, he like started to walk away from us. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. And he started walking away and I put my hand on his shoulder and I stopped him and I go, hey, man, I'm like, what do I do? I'm like, guys like you keep coming up to me and telling me that my son's a great baseball player and then they're not interested because he's not tall enough. And he goes, yeah, I would find like a school where you know that they do. So what we ended up doing is we started looking at like stat sheets for college. So we first picked colleges he wanted to go to or that he fit really well in academically. And then we started looking at how tall were the players that started games in his position. Mm-hmm. And then we basically then targeted the teams that would put kids out there that were six feet tallish. And then he would go to workouts where those coaches were. And as soon as Cole did that, he had 18 offers to play college. Say that's really smart. It's a good call. Yeah. But that's how we ended up doing it. And then the bigger problem ended up being um, that during this, you know, this whole thing, he kept growing. So by the time he was in college, he was 200 pounds and almost, you know, a little over 5'11 and like a real like adult. Like if Cole could have, I think it was the extra weight. I think if he could have, if he was 200 pounds and athletic, they would have ignored that he was 5'11. But he was back then, he was like 170, 165. He was still in high school. And then they looked at me and I was 5'9 and I think they thought, well, he's not going to get any bigger. Yeah, And so, yeah, it's just, it's anyway, that's not my point. My point is not to tell you about my son's thing. Mm-hmm. My point is to tell you, don't waste all your freaking mm-hmm. time trying to jam your round peg into your square hole. Cause it's going to cost you a lot of money and it's not going to end well. So yeah. for most of you, you know, right. that's all. That's it. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> what? And I don't know that I even, I'm not even, I don't see it as wasted time, but, and I actually do think like to slice it all away, the disappointment, it makes you a resilient person. hundred percent it does. Yeah. Yeah. If you can get through it, man, you are a resilient son of a bitch when you get out of this process. So yeah, agreed. um, 
so tell me a little bit about your goals. Like you bounce, like, why are you not using your degree? That's my first question. I honestly, I don't really know exactly what to do with it. I mean, I, I didn't, I personally, when, when you think about kinesiology and exercise science, you think, oh, you want to be a physical therapist. And when I was in physical therapy, Scott, I just, that was just the lowest part of my life. And I just could see it in the, in my physical therapist that it was just hard for him to get me, you know, it was hard for him to motivate me to do something for myself. And I just feel like when I was in college, I was like, you know what, I can't see myself doing this for other people, even though now I kind of can. I just don't know other careers that can make me a solid living um, with my degree without going and getting my master's. And I've, my, my former coaches asked me to come back and be a GA and, you know, get my schooling paid for and that sort of thing. But I just, I don't know. I, I think the only way that I'm going back to school is if I'm playing sports and I'm not good enough to play on the golf team right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you don't love school. I don't, I don't, I think that I love yeah. the, like the schedule of that, you know, I've, I've had my whole life under a routine, under scheduling, seeing the same people, you know, that sort of thing. I think I like that kind of community feeling, but I don't, I don't love mm-hmm. school. No. Okay. Yeah. I, my, my son doesn't love it either. Actually, there's, I honestly think that if it wasn't for baseball, we would have had trouble getting him to go to college. Yeah. I probably am and, in the same boat there. Yeah. And, and uh, like, you know, I'm not bragging. My my son's degree is kind of impressive. And he like it, it it's not a thing that he loves. It's just the thing he's good at. Math is a good it's the way his brain mm-hmm. works. So he's good at it, but he doesn't love it. He he wants to use it to do, like I said, other things. Yeah. Um and it's fun to listen to him talk about baseball. He sees it from Oh, he sees it from an analytical different. standpoint. Does he like Moneyball? Oh, uh, that movie? Yeah, yeah he loves that. That's movie. where the game yeah. is nowadays. But, so like when you're talking to me and telling me that like, oh, you know, they're they're writing you off because your son is an inch shorter than the average or this and that, that's that's moneyball in my head. And I think that that's kind of where it's at is that, you know, it's all analytical now is that and there's not a lot of guys that can feel the game and they're they're getting rid of a lot of scouts um that have actually been around the game for a while and that know baseball and, and they know players and it's going off of more of analytical now. I think Cole believes that there's a blend that needs. Oh, hundred percent. Cause I agree. I like the yeah. new wave of technology and that sort of thing. I think it's amazing, but it also is detrimental. Yeah. It's strange to watch a guy like stand on a baseball field that can't defensively play his position, mm-hmm. but they've done a mathematical formula that tells them that he'll prosper more at the plate than he'll fail in the field and so his run differential will be okay yeah. still. They're like, we're willing to take like, that risk, but we don't want to take a risk on a kid that's an inch shorter than we are used to. Yeah. And so I think there's part of, like, I think that one of the things that Cole has going for him is that he does have that kind of math mind, but he literally is a baseball player. Like, he he has a job now where he works in baseball, and I don't think I'm going to say exactly where he works, but he said that one of the things that stunned him when he got there was that he came in with a group of new hires and he said, he goes, I'm the only athletic person out of all of them. Mm. And, and he was like, it was really weird. They all love sports. He's like, they they love it. They know a ton about it, but none of them have played it ever. And he's like, and these are the people who are shaping the ideas. Yeah. Like it's all theoretical to them. And I was like, that's really, and he's actually moving up really quickly. And I do think it's because of the blend of his, like, 
of his experiences. Yeah, and I hope so because so. that's I'd rather have someone like him moving up in the system than than someone that doesn't know, you know, equality at bat if it hit him in the face. What it takes, like it's it's it really is. I mean, I love listen. I love watching baseball, but there are times when I'm like, that's not a baseball player. Mm-hmm. That's a professional baseball player who's not a baseball player. Yeah. He's just a really athletic guy. You just know the gamers. You can see the gamers, and you can see the guys that have the IQ. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. It really is. All right. Uh, Troy, what have we not talked about? I don't know. I mean, we've got... I mean, there's a ton that we can talk about, but I... Go ahead, Brink. What else you got? I didn't really make notes for it, so I don't really... (laughs) I don't really... Well, I don't want to miss... I can't. I don't want to miss anything on your diabetes. Like, like you're doing Omnipod 5 now. Um, You're letting it do its thing. You, are you? Let me ask you a couple of questions about day to day Omnipod yeah. Five stuff. Are you pre bolusing your meals? Yes. Does that need to happen? Yes. Okay. 100%. Um, do you watch what you eat? Are you like a careful eater, like a clean eater? How, what's your diet like? I would say I'm a clean eater. Um, I was definitely a lot cleaner when I was in school and playing sports and, you know, on more of a diet. But with the help of my girlfriend, she definitely wants me eating a lot better um she's kind of taken away a lot of the carbs that i'm used to eating which isn't a problem good bad or indifferent i think you can do well with either but i'd say i'm i'm pretty standard i eat maybe two salad meals a day um sometimes three but i like i said i usually will fast the most the only thing that i'll really ever eat for breakfast is eggs i won't really have any carbs or anything like that occasionally i'll have some coffee i my girlfriend doesn't really like meat as much as i do um, so I've been not eating as much red meat as I'm used to, um, but a lot of chicken, fish, a lot of greens, uh, trying to at least eat a lot of greens. Oh, this girl is telling you what you like and getting you in healthy shape. Good for her. She is great. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> she should she should be joining me on this podcast because she would tell you she'd probably put everything into her perspective, which is much worse in her eyes than in anyone else's eyes. I think she's a little dramatic. Well, hold on, let me ask. I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to ask you about that. But first, you know, your Minnesota came out for one of the only times you said occasionally. Occasionally? I'm not from Minnesota, though. I'm from yeah. Illinois. No, but weren't you? The, oh, Illinois. It's all the I'm same Midwest, place. so I'm it's sorry. still close. It's yeah. Still... It's all the same place, Troy. So, um, <laughs> you were like, and everybody, and everybody like, out oh. here knows that I'm not from here, so I don't even try to fake it. Yeah. Um, so, wait, you think she sees your health differently than you do it? Yeah, you? like she, like, okay, so just to put some perspective on it her father had pancreatic cancer and died a few years ago. So Mm -hmm. she obviously has, you know, that going on, but he was, you know, obviously he had to check his blood sugar and do some things as if he were a diabetic because of his pancreas failing. So she knew kind of what his diet was and that sort of thing. And then she sees kind of how I eat, but she'll like tell me to, to not eat so much, but then she'll tell me that I'm skinny and I need to gain weight. So it's like kind of like a, you know, like a toss up (laughs) really. (laughs) I think they call that a, uh, a double-edged sword, yes. a mixed message. Yes, yes. Like it's a mixed so there's a lot of mixed messages, there. I will say. I won't say that, like, she's, like, super dramatic, but, like, I like to eat popsicles every now and then, and they're sugar-free popsicles, but they're still popsicles. You know what I'm saying? And she's like, Troy, you don't need that. Like, just you just don't eat those. And I'm like, but I want them. <laughs> How old are you? 27. <laughs> <laughs> just stop eating the popsicles, man. It's easier. I know. Well, I've, like, made my own popsicles out of, like, fruit and stuff like that but it's still like that's a ton of sugar you know what i'm saying like fruit's got a yeah. ton of sugar yeah i mean i think you'll be all right if you have a sugar-free popsicle once right in a while. yeah but that's <laughs> the thing is that i like can you're... only like i can't eat just one sometimes it's like they're oh okay they're just too easy to eat i think that's the biggest thing 
But she's looking out for it. Does she pay attention to the diabetes? Yeah, she does. Like I share my uh, my numbers with her. And then if she sees something that she's like, hey, are you correcting this? And I'm like, yeah, it's already been taken care of. So like. You find that? Helpful? I do. Yeah, I think it's it's helpful that she's kind of on my case, but not too much. Like she's not on me enough to where it's like pushing me away. You know what I'm saying? Like when I was a kid and my mm-hmm. parents did it, like I'm not getting that type of feel. It's more of like a a soft softer like but still firm it's like a firm it's like a firm love i guess yeah i was gonna say because earlier even though you kind of you know you said your parents weren't very involved with your diabetes but you still did bring up that you did not like being ridden about it. correct and i was i was wondering like do you think they were not involved because you pushed them away as a kid no not really i mean i don't i really don't think that i like pushed them away that hard i think that it was just like i'm just thinking of a couple instances where my mom would kind of be on me and I'm not in the best mood when my blood sugar is high anyways. So I think it's kind of like one of those sure. things. Yeah, no, I know I've, I've, that's a, a valuable lesson for anybody listening that, you know, it's, that's not the time when someone's right. blood sugar is very low or very high to start like philosophizing with them about their health. Uh, you're going to get a lot of pushback. In that yeah. Situation. And I think I really started to understand that when I, I listened to one of your episodes, when you were talking about how you kind of dealt with, um, Arden when she was I don't know if she when she was at school or whatever the case was but you were like softer about it you weren't like hey your blood sugar is low do something about it or you might have been talking to um the CDE about it and you guys were like yes Jenny, Jenny. I was gonna say Kelly yeah. I don't know why I was gonna say Kelly but yeah it's my wife's oh, name. well I'm yeah. just throwing names out there so I I was close <laughs> so but just kind of how you're talking to her about like hey like hey listen like just be more soft-spoken about it and not make it seem like you know, it's your fault right now. You need to correct this, like do this now or else, you know? Yeah, no, there's definitely something to be said for timing, Mm -hmm. timing and tone. I would say, yeah. Yeah. Timing tone. Uh, when you're talking about it, like if it's an emergency situation, then you, you're stuck with what you're stuck with, but it it just, it's not going to go well. Like we have those altered mind episodes because we've, we're learning that there are a lot of people who don't even believe in that. Yeah. Like there are a, a lot of people who have type one who say, Oh, the people in my family think I'm making this up that I'm, you know, uh, I don't know, easier to get upset when my blood sugar is higher or my, my brain feels foggy mm-hmm. or that kind of stuff. So it's bad enough. It's happening to you. But if the people around you don't even believe in it, geez. And at least you need somebody who loves you. Who's, who can step back and say, now's not the time for this. Like even, even though it feels very like high pressure, Mm -hmm. we, we, this isn't when we do this. Yeah. And it's not like, like if my blood sugar is 12 and my mom's like, Hey, Troy, you gotta, (laughs) you gotta put something in your body right now. Like I, I can't really, I don't have time to, to to get angry. (laughs) Sorry. That's not happening. Yeah. No, I don't think I'm alive. (laughs) I don't think I'm conscious at 12 either, but I thankfully knock on wood. I I've never passed out. Never, never, had a, had a seizure, never had a seizure, never out. anything like that. There was one time though, when I was like, my blood sugar was like 24. It was right before dinner. I pre bolus a little earlier than I, than I should have. I was like 14 at the time and I was wow. feeling really like woozy. And I like went up to go, I grabbed my plate for dinner. My dad just got home, you know, whatever we started eating. I was like carrying my plate over to the table and I like, was like, Oh, I don't feel so good. And then I started walking and I like just lost control of my body and like, just like kind of like fell. And I guess, I don't know, obviously I looked and it wasn't actually 24 at that time. That was a separate time. And it was like 300. So it was really weird how I like felt like I was going to pass out. And I felt like my blood sugar was low, but my reading was pretty high. It's actually high. How about that? 
That's yeah, okay. and I double checked too because I was like, all right, maybe it's just a weird check. But I checked it again, and it was still yeah. in like the high twos. So hmm. that's something else. Well, Troy, uh, I appreciate you doing this with me very much, and I, I wish you a lot of luck. It's you're an interesting part in your life, uh, trying to find your way and get settled at the same time. It's uh, I'm a little jealous actually. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I, I like that you didn't just run out of college and say I'm doing this thing, this exact thing. Like you're. You're kind of free spirited about yeah, it. Yeah, don't really and, have a uh, plan. Just kind of winging it. Yeah. I mean, dude, that's ballsy. Good for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you got yeah, me too. with your new job. Seriously, that's a big deal, man. Like I just saw somebody online today. She's, you know, in my Facebook group and she's like, Hey, I lost my I lost my insurance. I just saw that. She's like, I don't, actually, yeah. Yeah. She's like, I don't know what to do. I read all those so, too. I'm like, oh my gosh, I could I could relate to a lot of these people. Yeah. Now, isn't that interesting? Like, it's, uh, I don't know. It's just, it, it's something that we, like, people who have insurance don't think about, obviously. But people who are just trying to, like, you're not doing anything wrong, man. You're just young and you're trying to find your way through life. And it sucks that this is something you have to consider. But, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad it's working out. Yeah, most definitely. So. Yeah. And even if, like, even yeah. just, like, the, the podcast has helped a ton. So thank you for that. And the, the Facebook group has been awesome. I, I've learned a ton on that. Um, more than I have in the last, I mean, obviously within the last couple of years, I've had a good endocrinologist, but before that, like you guys, everybody in the, in the page and everything has just taught me so much more than I would have known. And it's just crazy how under educated I was and I've had it for 14 years now. So, yeah, well, I appreciate knowing that very much. It makes me uh, honestly just makes me happy to know that it's helping you. So yeah. And even if like, even if people that that are listening want to, you know, talk to me about my story and whatever the case is like i i'm very i don't post on social media more than i i should and i don't i'm not really out there but i do want to kind of be a sounding board and i do eventually want to get these camps going to where i can start having type 1 diabetic athletes across the world come out and kind of do something like that kind of how sam fold has his going um and just kind of piggybacking off that so i'm always open to 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 talk to people about this well when this comes out Troy, absolutely go on the page and share it and say, hey, this is me. And if you want to talk, like, I'm here. Yeah. You know, absolutely do that. There's a lot of people in there. You'll find somebody. Yeah, most definitely. And even people near near here, near South Carolina, since I don't really know many people yeah. out here anyways as of yet. It's hard, isn't it, to move and not know anybody? Yeah, but I, d- I couldn't recommend it enough. Honestly, I think that it's it's something it says something about getting out of your hometown. And I didn't, I didn't do it for college, so it's better than I did it now. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it would never happen. Yeah. No, I'm watching my, my son had to go somewhere to take a job and he's like by himself. But the things that I see him doing with his free time and he's like, you know, some days he's like, man, what do people do after they work? Like, <laughs> you know, I said, I had kids, so I don't know. But like just little things like he like one day like called me. He's like, I'm going to go to the park and play basketball. He's like, I'm just going to try to find a game. And um, and he, you know, he did. He went to a park, found a bunch of, a you know, like some kids, some adults playing basketball made his way in through it. And, you know, it's, it's that, I don't know that to me is a big deal. Like just, you know what I mean? Like growing to a bunch of strangers and saying, Hey, I want to get in this game. Especially nowadays too, because I feel like everyone just not wants to like hide behind their phones, but like, it's so much easier to text somebody than it is to call somebody and actually have a conversation. And I think that says Mm -hmm. a lot about him as, as a person and, just people in general that are able to do that or that are able to go out and eat by themselves and sit there and not necessarily sit on their phone the whole time and just kind of be yeah. where they are. 
it's been a really good experience for him, like having to like, you know, like he'll tell you, like I played baseball the whole time. Like there are things I didn't, he never had a job. Like, like my son's first job is his out of college job. He'd never worked anywhere once he would, he was playing baseball or studying and, and he was working hard at those things. There was no time for him to go like scoop ice cream at a local Mm -hmm. place or something like that. So he went from never having to get up and go to work to having like a real adult job. Just straight off the bat. Like, yeah. Yeah. In a town by himself. And and it all happened quickly because he got the offer, but the job started in like two weeks. We had to move like across the country in two oh, weeks. Oh, that's stressful. It was really something, man. But um, but like I said, I, I'm seeing it really uh, pay off for him. It has a lot of benefits for him. Yeah, you can't do that kind of work. So, all right, Troy, hold on one second for me. I appreciate yeah, you doing of course. this. Thanks. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N.com forward slash juice box. When you place your first order for AG1 with my link, you'll get five free travel packs and a free year supply of vitamin D. Drink AG1.com slash juice box. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast.